This is Find Your Dream Job, the podcast that helps you get hired, have the career you want, and make a difference in life. I'm your host, Mac Pritchard. I'm also the founder of MaxList. It's a job board in the Pacific Northwest that helps you find a fulfilling career. Every Wednesday, I talk to a different expert about the tools you need to get the work you want. Find Your Dream Job is brought to you by Top Resume. Top Resume has helped more than 400,000 professionals land more interviews and get hired faster. Get a free review of your resume today. Go to maxlist.org slash top resume. You may think that people who don't know you well can't help with your job search. That's a mistake, says today's guest. Even the most casual of acquaintances can make a huge difference when you look for work. Rob Kim is here to talk about why weak ties matter in your job search and how to use them. Rob is a career strategist at the University of British Columbia, and he's passionate about all things related to careers. He was also named a LinkedIn top voice in 2022. He joins us from the city of Vancouver in Canada. Well, Rob, let's get started. What do you mean by weak ties? Well, it's based off of uh, Mark Granovetter's work. It was a social theory uh, back, I think, in the 60s, 70s, uh, and it talks about Strong ties versus weak ties. So, you know, your strong ties are your people that you're close with, uh, you know, f- family, friends. You have a lot of shared interests as well, right? Uh, weak ties would be, uh, you, Mac, you and I would be a weak tie, right? Um, maybe someone that you have acquaintance. It could be a coworker. You have maybe a few, uh, shared common interests. And that theory talks about how weak ties are actually, um, as, critical or in some cases maybe even more important for people's career in terms of finding new opportunities and so uh, you know when i discovered that theory i thought is very fascinating and i thought a little bit of like how does that mean then when i'm net what does that mean when i'm networking or when i'm uh, looking for a job and so i'm here to kind of share with the your audience a little bit of like hey um sometimes it's you know, focusing on those weak ties. It's not always about like, hey, I need this strong network. It seems counterintuitive, Rob, that someone who is a casual acquaintance could make a difference in a job search. Why is that so? What What does the research and your own experience as a career strategist tell you? Well, again, with the weak ties in, in this kind of theory, it's, you know, saying, hey, you're not getting a lot of new information maybe in your your strong tie circle. And so you might get introduced to a new opportunity, maybe an industry or role that you never thought about. The weak ties, they bring value by bringing in that kind of outside information. Uh, what's really actually interesting is in the journal Science last September, they, they actually did a study. They looked at 20 million people over a five-year period on LinkedIn uh, they looked at about 6 billion new ties. And then from that, around 600,000 new jobs created. And what was really cool was seeing how they said that there was a causal link between, you know, the people who had weak ties and um, the power of weak ties in terms of getting a job. So, again, it does seem counterintuitive. But, um, you know, just anecdotally for myself, I think about even probably three of my last six jobs were 
from people I kind of worked with once or knew even many, many years ago. Uh, and they kind of alerted me to like, Hey, did you know about this job? Or maybe put in a reference for me. And of course, then, you know, the job seeker still has to take care of that. But, you know, I wouldn't have maybe been privy or, uh, to that new information or those new, uh, new opportunities. So weak ties can help you get information that your closest acquaintances uh, don't have. They can also make referrals uh, to uh, employers and, and others who can help you in your search. What are other benefits that weak ties offer, Rob, in a job search? Well, I mean, it's not too different from the two things that you summed up. But uh, again, I really think it's allowing you to see more of what's out there. My favorite phrase in careers is like, you can't be what you can't see. So to me, weak ties are simply increasing my knowledge of like, again, the sort of roles out there. The typical thing is, you know, what do you want to be is, is asked. And that is really influenced heavily by our strong ties, right? When we're growing up and what we see our family, friends, what sort of uh, jobs that they're doing. So part of that is, um, I, I think weak ties is a huge, powerful way for us throughout our careers of like recognizing what that next step, that potential next opportunity is, right? It's like, oh, I didn't know that was a job or I didn't know you could get paid for that. Why would someone who is a slight acquaintance or maybe someone you're meeting for the first time uh, through an informational interview help you in your job search, Rob? That's a great question. So, uh, you know, because it, it's almost saying like, yeah, why would this almost stranger help you, right? And I think it's more of like um, you're getting maybe advice or insight. I meant, you you know, you mentioned informational interviews. I, I think a lot of people do like talking about maybe the work that they're doing or if you are building kind of a, a relationship where even in that conversation, they feel like, hey, this is someone that, you know, I could help out. Um, you're trying to leverage a little bit of that. And I, I think about myself, like when people reach out to me, like if it's something specific um, and I can do it and it doesn't cost me too much time, you know, I, I, I probably, you know, will say something or, or, Hey, check this out. I think that another way you can think about weak tie is like, you could have a colleague at work. Again, you're not the closest of friends, but that, you know, at work, you have lots of weak ties. Uh, I, I tell university students all the time that university is just a place to build these weak ties. And I, I again, I think of like, you're just transferring information over or, or you mentioned that, hey, I'm looking for maybe summer work that might be like, oh, I, actually, I know somebody, right? And so I, I think that there's a little bit of a, a, a giving nature to it, but uh, certainly weak ties doesn't mean you don't know that person at all. So I would do want to make that distinct, distinction. And that science kind of article does talk about, you know, you need almost like the just the right amount of weak tie strength. It's like kind of like the Goldilocks, right? Not too strong, not too weak, just right. So it's someone you have a, a, a connection to, or perhaps can it also, Rob, be someone who is you're introduced to by a mutual acquaintance? Do, does that also constitute a, a weak tie? Yeah, I think part of the, you know, uh, when you're thinking about weak tie approach, it is finding out what is that still common thread, right? Or what is something that is a connector? So yeah, a referral from someone else, right away, you're using that person 
that shared common person as that tie. Um, but, you know, again, that's why I will talk to people like, you know, having uh, a robust alumni network. That's another way to do that. And really, I think there's so many other ways to find out these weak ties. And that's what I think, you know, the strength of like a lot of the, our social media digital networks are like, you know, for me growing up in Vancouver, I was very limited physically, right, in terms of what I could uh, find. Uh, the internet did not exist at that time, right? And so the information had to come from maybe where I was working, the school, maybe it's my dad's uh, friend at work, that sort of thing. So, but these days, I mean, the possibilities of weak tie, building those weak ties, um, you know, are, are huge and tremendous. And, and I think sometimes can be overwhelming for people. I want to talk about who to approach and and what to ask for in the second segment. But I'm, I'm, before we get there, Rob, I'm just curious, when you, in your work as, at the university uh, as a career strategist, you talk to students all the time and alums as well. What stops the people you work with at first from reaching out to their weak ties? I believe, like a lot of things in life, it's actually um, fear. And how that translates, I think, in career, it's also sometimes not um, building a sense of how we advocate for ourselves, Mac. So, you, you know, again, when you talk to someone and about this concept or reaching out to someone that they kind of know, even if they do know, asking for help, advocating, I think that's the number one thing that I, I see. It's It's very hard for people to say, like, uh, I want to ask for help or bother someone um, often too. I think for myself is like, who am I to even like um, ask this to, uh, you know, kind of like a, a stranger in some ways. And, um, you know, I think I have to work with people all the time about, you know, sometimes it's, you don't need that permission. You just got to realize that you might not get the response, but that's okay. You have to, have courage to put yourself out there to advocate, even when dealing with weak ties. Well, we're going to take a break, Rob. Uh, when we come back, I want to talk about how to approach weak ties, as well as as how to identify the ones that are going to be most helpful in your search. So stay with us. When we return, uh, Rob Kim will continue to share his advice about why weak ties matter in your job search and how to use them. When you meet with your connections, you'll want to share your resume. When was the last time you updated yours? Go to maxlist.org slash top resume. Top resume will review your resume for free. Go to maxlist.org slash top resume. Get specific ideas you can use to fix your resume right away or hire top resume to do it for you. Go to maxlist.org slash top resume. Now let's get back to the show. Back in the MaxList studio, I'm talking with Rob Kim. He's a career strategist at the University of British Columbia. And Rob is passionate about all things related to careers. He was also named a LinkedIn top voice in 2022. He joins us today from Vancouver in British Columbia in Canada. 
Uh, Rob, before the break, we were talking about why weak ties matter in your job search and how to use them. Uh, I want to talk about how you identify the weak links that are going to be most useful to you in your uh, search, as well as what to ask people for specifically. What's your best advice, Rob, in your in your work with students and, and graduates uh, about how to figure out, particularly if you have hundreds or even thousands of weak ties, uh, where to start and where you, who is going to be most useful and helpful in your search? That's a great question, Mac. And I'll I'll be really honest at the top is like ultimately I don't know, but that's not helpful. Uh, I do then actually talk about a little bit of maybe some different strategies. So I love something called a values, skills, and interests table, a VSI table that's from professional coaching world there. And, you know, you can use that where you're looking at what are your values, what are your skills or strengths, what are your interests? And then you can actually then try to map that out to think about, well, who are the people, places, and positions uh, that kind of maybe represent that. And so that's a nice way to start identifying, you know, then you can go on to LinkedIn, for instance, and say like, well, who's, who has these values or who has these skills that I want to learn from or who needs these skills. So I think that's a way to start just kind of maybe um, helping you focus a little bit on like who to talk to. The, the other way I also think about it is I like to get people to think about like Google Maps and think about like, what are your three filters uh, for your kind of career and allow you to just come up with some filters? So I know that sounds funny, but if you like type in restaurants on Google Maps, that's ultimately not a very good uh, search. So you might say, well, I think about proximity. I think about uh, price. And I think about um, even type of cuisine. Well, I think that translates very well to like identifying the type of people you can talk to. It's like, well, I want to look at people in Vancouver who are maybe making this much money in this industry. And that allows me again to use that filter on LinkedIn to then maybe identify, uh, you know, three people that I might want to talk to. And our brains really work well in threes in terms of like just helping us not feel overwhelmed. So you have got those, those filters. And I love that comparison, Rob, of thinking about, when you look for a restaurant, you just don't type in restaurant. You've got some values and, and criteria. What's the most popular criteria that you see uh, the people you coach use when they're figuring out who to approach for uh, their, among their weak ties for, for help? Funnily enough, I think a lot of times it starts with proximity, right? So even though they have maybe like ideals of what their manager looks like, want, like what they want their manager to be or the culture of the, the company. And of course, you know, salary is very important, but proximity is an interesting way to start because it's like saying like, I want to be in this area. Now, of course, with remote and hybrid work, that changes a little bit, but I, I, interesting enough, I think it's, it's proximity. And what about other criteria? I mean, you, there's a place where you want to work does it also help to uh, identify particular employers uh, or positions? What has been your experience there? Yeah, so I, I really like going through, again, maybe the alumni search tool on LinkedIn. And we can then, and then sometimes I'll ask, like, 
um, you know, what, where, what are the three companies that you would be interested in working tomorrow? And then we can go to the company page as well. We can actually then look at people. And then I, I think about like, you're just kind of digging a little bit deeper with your next set of filters. So, uh, you know, it's again, looking at the positions that you uh, are interested in and then learning from, from that. There's quite a, a lot of information that you can learn just from kind of that passes passive research and then uh, maybe it's then reaching out to that person and trying to connect uh, maybe sending that cold message or dm to uh, maybe ask for some insight or advice so know your your values your skills uh, and be clear about where you want to work whether it's the place or a particular employer um and then once you have that criteria figured out, and I, I love that because it can be overwhelming, can it, Rob? You you sit down, you might have hundreds of LinkedIn connections, for example, or you could go to your university database, or maybe there's a community group that has a directory, and and you just see uh, all these names. Where do you get started? But the tool that you're sharing allows you to narrow it down to a smaller universe of people. But once you've identified that universe, how do, what do you, what's the best way to approach them? You mentioned a cold email and I'm sure you've had this experience too. We all know people who say, well, I reached out to someone on LinkedIn or uh, uh, a fellow graduate and I, I never heard back. When you think about the communications that are most effective and get a response, what do they look like? What are the common elements? Yeah, I I think first of all, to anyone listening, just make an hypothesis first because again um if i knew the best way i'd be pretty rich mac right like i could sell that formula and you, we see people talking about these formulas but I, I i would offer first of all like hey everybody just hypothesize what that could look like and then test it out and what i'm trying to do is i'm trying to build up my uh a, a, like a process because ultimately there's going to be a lot of rejection right like there's going to be a lot of no's or no responses and i can't let that deter me or uh get me down and so i would kind of start there first but then um i think there are some simple points to think about when you're reaching out it's like you know number one uh keep it short number two make sure the ask is like pretty specific and you know i always think about you're already asking for their time uh like if you are already asking for the time, make sure that they don't have to spend a lot of time figuring out what you're asking, right? So, um, you know, you want it to be something that they can act on, even if they say no too. And so I think like short and specific. Uh, the third one is maybe again, using that concept of weak tie of like having a little bit of a connector to um, why you're reaching out to them, the commonality, something that you share. It could be even something that you saw that they wrote about or that you appreciated. So, and then always doing it with like a sense of like understanding of like, I don't expect you to respond. Right. And I think um, that can help. And I would be looking at like, can you have like a 10% success rate one week at 20? Like, you know, I, I think if you're hitting about a 20% success rate, um, that's, pretty good to me, but 20% sounds like a, a failure for a lot of us in many other contexts. What about follow-up, Rob? You send the message off. It's 
specific. You're asking for something um, that is easily understood, and uh, and you explain why you want to to meet this person, as as you suggested, and you get no response. How often do you what do you, what should you do next? How how do you recommend following up? That's a great question, Mac. You know, people will write a whole bunch of different things about like the number of times. The one way I would maybe frame it is, you know, I'm very busy, uh, you're very busy, and sometimes we see a DM that we just don't respond to that email. So I think it's okay to reach out again to just do a follow-up again. Uh, You know, I keep the expectations really low. I, I just think there's probably a diminishing return once you're getting to like four or five. Now, I think you can reach out again with a maybe a greater time period in between. But, uh, you know, at some point when I think about someone trying to convince me to meet or reaching out, it, it, it that starts getting into maybe not respecting their boundaries as well. But I, I, you'd be surprised how many people don't do a follow-up where um, sometimes when they have done it with me, I'm like, oh, yeah, I totally meant to get back to you. People are, uh, they're not trying to be rude. Just, you know, one thing happens. And then next thing you know, you kind of forget about that email or that DM. Once you have that meeting and you've had the conversation, what's the best way to stay in touch with a weak tie, both during your job search and after you land in your next position? It's a great question. I think there's a multitude of ways you could do it. If I was just uh, ideating right now, like, you know, three things like number one, I think it's always great to like send a, a quick thank you follow up that that would be something I would do all the time. Uh, number two, maybe it's even just sharing something that you saw an article or, um, you know, some sort of concept that, you know, might be in their interest. That will be something that you might consider doing. And, and then, Sometimes it's just simply reaching out and, and saying, Hey, let's, uh, would, you know, do you have time to meet up again or, um, that sort of thing. So I, I think it's just, um, I, I like employing a lot of different kind of strategies, kind of test things out and also keeps me learning. And, uh, I would encourage people to do the same. Well, it's been a terrific conversation, Rob. Now tell us what's next for you. Now, for me, just again, more, uh, you know, programming here at uh, UBC and uh, just supporting uh, the students in the Faculty of Land and Food Systems and um, the, the alumni. And so we're going to be wrapping up our mentorship uh, program, which uh, interestingly enough, this term is actually all dedicated to giving the students experience of doing an informational interview because, again, that's uh, very scary for some people. And it's actually a, a concept that not a lot of people actually know about. So, yeah, keeping busy uh, until the uh, end of the term. Well, terrific. Well, I know that you invite listeners to connect with you on LinkedIn. And I also know you host a, a wonderful podcast, Career Carrots. I hope listeners will uh, check out that show as well. Now, Rob, given all the great advice you've shared today, what's the one thing you want a listener to remember about why weak ties matter in your job search and how to use them? I hope listeners can take away that it's okay if you don't feel like you have the largest or strongest robust network. Weak ties are a way for you to recognize that, hey, if I uh, have some acquaintances, those are still going to be very powerful for my career. And with that, weak ties also means you have to have the courage to put yourself out there. And that 
I know it can be very difficult, but I want to encourage everyone listening that, you know, just focus on your weak ties and that those weak ties might surprise you down the road in terms of how to help you get that next job. sure you never miss an episode of find your dream job subscribe to our free podcast newsletter you'll get information about our guests and transcripts of every show go to maxlist.org slash newsletters again that's maxlist.org slash newsletters next week our guest will be elaine lou cardis she's a speaker podcaster and coach who works with women of color and allies Do you feel uncertain about your career, question your value at work, or experience low self-esteem? Elaine says these could be signs of an identity crisis, and it may be time to revisit how your work matches your goals and your values. Join us next week when Elaine Lou Cardis and I talk about how to realign your career with what you want in life. Until next time, thanks for letting us help you find your dream job. This show is produced by Max List. Susan Thornton-Hoff schedules our guests and writes our newsletter. Lisa Kislinberry-Anderson manages our social media. Our sound engineer is Matt Fiorillo. Ryan Morrison at Podfly Productions edits the show. Dawn Mole creates our transcripts, and our music is by Freddie Trujillo. This is Mac Pritchard. See you next week. 